The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you seeking meaning beyond work and consumption? Does it sometimes seem that instead of God, money rules the world and runs your life? Welcome to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. We are exploring the many aspects of our relationship with money within the grounding of our faith, our money beliefs, our sense of security, truly loving our families and making a difference in the world. Now, here is your host, Mike Little. Hello and welcome to Faith and Money, Making the Connection. I'm your host, Mike Little, Director of Faith and Money Network. Are you someone who easily gives away money and time? If you are, then congratulations. You have already discovered the joy of giving. For the rest of us, giving can be tough. Giving our money away can make us feel anxious about not having enough for ourselves or for our children down the road. For many people, the thought of giving can rankle against our sense of merit. We may think, I earned this and this is mine. But the biblical story rings with the message that we need to give. And at least half of that need is our own. Giving to others reminds us that everything is a gift from God and therefore not really ours to hold on to forever. Giving and receiving move us from isolation to a deep sense of community and nourish a life-opening recognition that we have enough, we are enough, and that in God's economy, there is enough for everyone. As we talk about giving today, we don't intend any finger-wagging instructions of what anyone should do. We at Faith and Money Network don't appreciate being should upon, and we try not to do it to anyone else. Instead, we hope you find inspiration and perhaps a window into your own joy of giving in the story of Judy and David Osgood two business owners who have cultivated a genuine joy in giving. For more than 50 years, Judy and Dave have given enough of themselves and of their money to make a significant difference in many people's lives. Dave and Judy, we are looking forward to hearing your story today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Hey, to help us paint a portrait of your philanthropy, Start by telling us uh, about what kinds of groups or causes uh, that do you support financially? Well, I'll start with that. Uh, And clearly, we start with our church and always have. We've always been tithers. And uh, then, as time has gone on, we've supported uh, other causes as well. Uh, Some of those are faith-related uh, directly, like uh, Christian Peacemaker Teams, Seeds of Peace, and uh, Habitat for Humanity. But we've also given to medical causes, uh, including uh, Partners in Health, 
uh, mostly in Haiti, but in other parts of the world. And uh, Volunteers in Medicine, a local uh, volunteer health organization that is targeted to uh, those folks who uh, make too much money to be able to be on Medicaid, but uh, not enough to be able to buy their own health insurance. And that will be interesting to see how that works out with the new health care system. We give to environmental causes like the Nature Conservancy, Con- uh, Conservation International, and uh, we give a little bit to some political causes and candidates that are near and dear to us. There are two things, Mike, that all of the organizations that we give to have in common. The first is that we select organizations that do a good job of leveraging their funds. And by that, I mean that they have the ability to make $1 do the job of $3 or $4. And they're consistent in the way that they do that. And the second thing is we look for organizations that are making a difference in the world, no matter what area they are serving in. That's important to us personally, and it's important to us that they all serve that way. Hmm. Uh, Let's just take Habitat for Humanity as an example. I know you've uh, you mentioned you give uh, give to them both time and money, and I'm curious how you that relationship started. Was it by giving money and then time, or the other way around, or is this one of those kind of chicken and egg questions where you really can't say which came first? Well, actually, we can because yeah. uh, we started giving money when we lived in a place where Habitat wasn't yet active back in the very early 80s, shortly after it came into being. Uh, And it was only after uh, Habitat came to our town in Oregon that uh, we started giving time. And I worked on the first house that was built here um, and have continued working locally uh, as my time would allow. But uh, after we started giving time, we gave more money than we had before. And after we gave more money, we started giving more time. And it just kind of ratcheted up uh, until uh, today we're working, oh, a month a year, probably, or more uh, of of our time with Habitat in Guatemala primarily, but also locally. And uh, we give a fair amount of money to them as well. Mm. That's, That's amazing. And I'm wondering, uh, just to maybe even step back a minute, and uh, I know a lot of people I talk with about giving often go back to their childhood and what they learned or didn't learn um, growing up. So I'm interested, if you don't mind, um, uh, talking about, you know, how you were raised. Were, were you both raised with the ethic of giving? Where, where did that start? Well, Mike, we were raised very differently, so let me give you a a brief little synopsis of my situation, and then Dave can fill in with his. Great. And I came from a family where we had a mother who uh, controlled every nickel that came into the house with an iron fist and um, did not believe in giving anything 
to anyone with the possible exception of giving something to someone in the family. That was very difficult to want to give and not be able to. I still think about the time when I was maybe third grade and I admitted to my mother when I got home from school that I had given the banana and my lunch to someone else and I was chewed out for it royally and told that that banana was for me. I either was to either eat it or to bring it home, but I wasn't to give it to anybody else and I wasn't to trade it for something in somebody else's lunch. And that was just the way it went the whole time. So when I became an adult and had my first job, there was this huge pent-up need to give. And the first check I wrote with my first paycheck was a tithe to my church. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, grew up uh, in a tithing family. My parents were both tithers when they got married, and so for them it was really natural to continue to do that and they were uh, extremely outgoing and uh, ready to share with others uh, everything that they had. So they uh, did a lot of giving outside the church as well. Uh, and they taught my sister and I that we should do that too when we had money of our own to manage. And so I was tithing uh, money for my paper route and uh, never... Uh, even looked back. That was just what we did as a family. Hmm. When we got married, uh, it was more interesting to uh, work that out, but Judy was ready to join me in tithing at that point, and so that's what we did. So even though you came from quite different histories, as you came together as a couple, you, you seemed to have worked it out. Yes, we did. We did, and it has been very gratifying to for me to have somebody to talk to about it. And then as a couple, we have found great um, help with the uh, things like the workshops that Faith and Money does to give us people to talk to, to give us feedback, to help us plan, to see what's uh, the problems that other people face and how we can grow together as we give and as we change that. And things like um, writing our money biography was really helpful because when we did a timeline and and put in uh, what money meant to us and our families growing up and the two of us, it helped to give us a really clear picture of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first time I did the autobiography as well. I was, you know, I, I thought I kind of knew everything about myself in terms of my relationship to money and remember finding out that some of the things that I didn't like uh, seeing growing up, I, you know, I ended up doing the same things. And, and it's a, it's a yeah. great, a great uh, tool of awareness. It is indeed. And it's now, fun to look back on the first one we did uh, because we've done them uh, repeatedly uh, as part of uh, preparation for other events. Mike, I remember our son when he was about three 
and he wanted to give one of his birthday presents to share it with a friend. And uh, I said, oh, you don't have to do that, honey. That's for you. And he said, but, Mommy, I want to. And when he said that, I realized that I was parroting the message that I had gotten that I didn't like. (laughs) That's true. I think if we need to make peace with those things or, or we pass them along, it seems. Yep. Yeah. Hey, folks, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're talking with Dave and Judy Osgood about the joy of giving. Stick with us, and we'll be uh, right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. Hey, welcome back. And we're talking with Dave and Judy Osgood about the joy of giving. And I want to uh, ask you uh, both, and I, I'm, I know this may not be comfortable because uh, you don't want it to sound like bragging, but I think it's important to show what a difference we can make by giving money away. And so I want to ask, what does your level of giving make possible in the world? And what do you feel your giving has done for others? By saying that uh, I, at last look, uh, there were no major diseases in the world that have been conquered as a result of our donations. <laughs> Okay. Uh, we don't operate at that scale. But what lets us see what has happened as a result of our giving is that we uh, return to the same community in Guatemala uh, two or three times a year uh, to uh, do more work there uh, with Habitat and uh, to be able to go back and visit the folks that who we helped to build their homes 
uh, and find them in those homes and see how their life is different from what it was when they were in a shack uh, with a dirt floor and uh, a fire that uh, was uh, surrounded by three rocks to hold the pot that they were cooking in uh, is uh, just truly amazing. And uh, it does uh, help with their uh, health and well-being because it gets smoke out of the house and it gets the dust from the dirt floor out of the house so they have less respiratory problems. And we help with clean water and uh, sanitation. And all of that makes a huge difference in their lives. I think that's about enough for that one question, except to say that we also help in educating the children, and we participate in a wonderful program that does that. Mm, yeah. So we've, we've called this program the, the Joy of Giving, but I've been concerned that people might hear that as trite or artificial because for many of us, giving, it's hard. And so do you think our program theme the joy of giving is genuine, and how have you found the joy of giving to be true for you? Mike, I think I can answer that one for both of us, and in that we separate joy from fun, and I think mm. people tend to think fun all the time, and fun is might be something that you do when you go on vacation with your family, you have a party with friends, you go for a pleasant walk, something that makes you feel relaxed and good. Joy is an emotion that seeps into your heart, to your soul, to your brain, and it sticks with you, and it comes for us from knowing that we've done something to make a difference, to improve someone else's life somehow, some way. And yes, with that uh, description, we think the joy of giving is very genuine. You mentioned at the top of the show uh, that you um, first give uh, to your church, and so I'm just kind of uh, interested if you consider giving a spiritual discipline, and how has your faith shaped your giving, and how has your giving shaped your faith, and speak a little bit about that. Well, that's my turn, uh, and uh, I would say that it giving is definitely a spiritual discipline for us because uh, we, we see it as having been uh, led by God to do this, to share our good fortune. Uh, I like to uh, quote one of our friends who was quoting scripture by saying that she thinks it's the world's biggest joke that uh, God has let us keep 90% of uh, what he's given us. And it's really all his to begin with. Uh, but uh, it's one of, one of the easiest di- disciplines for us because of that joy that Judy just mentioned. Uh, and uh, I find uh, other sp- spiritual disciplines like uh, prayer and uh, reading, studying scripture uh, to be much more difficult. Uh, I don't enjoy it, I guess, probably as much. And for me, Mike, uh, uh, giving is my favorite spiritual discipline, and it's my favorite because I feel that 
it enriches my soul and enables me to grow in my faith at the same time that I know that it's making a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one reason that many of us don't give away more money is kind of our uncertainty for the future. And I've heard a lot about it in the last few years particularly, but I know we believe we might you know, need it for retirement, for healthcare emergencies, for our children's future needs, you know, wh- whatever might arise uh, that we just maybe can't see today. H- have you two had moments where uncertainty about the future made you question or maybe even change your levels of giving? How, how have you grappled with the question of security? I think maybe I'll answer that one for both of us because I've talked about it a lot in the past. And for us, uh, security here is another word for control and whether or not we have control over our lives. We discovered about 35 years ago that there was one aspect of our lives that we had absolutely no control over whatsoever. And that was when our 16-year-old son, Eric, died from a toxic reaction to the chemotherapy drugs that he was taking for bone cancer. And you know, as a parent yourself, you want to feel like you have control over your child's health and their well-being, and that if you just do this and do that and do that, they will be okay and there won't be any problems whatsoever. They will grow up to be happy adults. But we discovered then that that's not true, that we don't have that control, that we are susceptible and our children are susceptible to the same environmental problems, the same diseases that anybody else could be. So that really rocked our lives, and we thought, oh, oh my, um, maybe with this we'll understand that, that we can control everything else. And then a few years later, we had something else awful happen, and that was in the space of <clears throat> six months. First, a, f- a former colleague tried to run us out of business, and then a contract employee tried to take the business away from us. And it was at that point that we had to say, God, you're in control of all of our lives, and um, we give it all to you. And we mean by that that uh, you are controlling our money and what we give and what we do as well as what happens to us. I hope that answered it. Yes, it does. It does. And I'm, uh, that is, uh, thank you for sharing that uh, so personal story. And it, it does, does prove that we, we uh, can't buy our way out of, of uh, struggle. We, that uh, our security, it just has to be in, in God. So thank you for, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Thank and you for I'm, letting us. Yeah, I'm curious, and you're almost beginning to answer it in a, in a way, how your giving has changed and grown over the years. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just a little sketch of that history for us and maybe give us a feel for, for what percentage you give away now. Well, I, I'll take a first stab at that at least, and if I miss something, Judy can come in, as she usually does, to fill in the blanks. Uh, that's but, what wiser for. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, 
for the first 15 years of our our married life, at least, I think, uh, we stayed pretty much with that 10% tithe with virtually all of it going to the church. We we did uh, make some small uh, gifts to other uh, agencies like United Way and what have you uh, in, in the workplace so that they could count themselves as having 100% uh, contrib- contributors on the staff and so mm-hmm. on, but uh, mostly it was uh, church-related, uh, our giving. And then um, I was an officer of the, our church in Indianapolis, and uh, we had a meeting to uh, react to the national church's declaration of a three-year campaign to increase our giving to uh, foreign causes. And I had been an advocate in the past for our congregation doing that. And so this was the point where I had to put my money where my mouth was. And we did. Uh, We pledged uh, a significant increase in our giving. Uh, It might have been like 3% uh, more uh, than the 10 that we'd been giving uh, for three years for this uh, cause. And uh, gradually after that, we found that wasn't so hard, uh, and so we did increase our giving. But it was the faith and money workshops, uh, more than anything else, I think, that convinced me that uh, we needed to give more. And by the time we retired, we were giving away about 30% of our income. And we set a goal uh, at that point to raise it to somewhere about half. And we figured that we could do that because when we retired, our income was going to rise uh, because of the way we handled uh, the sale of our business. We put our stock in a charitable remainder trust, and we took uh, a percentage of that trust every year as our annual income. And uh, that turned out to be... uh, a big jump for us over what we've been taking from the business. But we didn't change our lifestyle very much, and so that enabled us to give more and to be fine. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I know that uh, – well, thank you for, sh- for sharing that. I know people, uh, as you know, too, from your work with Faith in My Network and, and others that just don't like to talk about money in public and uh, and even in our churches where you know our scriptures talk about it so much but and it's probably one of the reasons is people will say they want to give anonymously and and uh but there can be questions of creating kind of an over under with power relationships with the giver retaining power uh and if we give anonymously we don't create those power dynamics so Uh, We're so appreciative that you're willing to talk about your giving, but have you ever, I'm curious, have you ever questioned whether you should give anonymously instead? What's Uh, The anonymous giving uh, is a discussion item that comes up in every faith and money uh, context, I think, and uh, most of us uh, make some, at least, uh, uh, ostensibly on, on anonymous gifts. Uh, we, I know we do, uh, and uh, what uh, convinced us uh, that we needed to talk about 
uh, what we were giving, uh, or at least that we were giving, uh, to a variety of causes was the concern that the um, development officers uh, of the organizations we were giving to had that uh, they needed to have a long list of of givers to inspire others to uh, participate. And so that's one of the reasons why we uh, talk about the fact that we are giving uh, money to various organizations, uh, and uh, why we're advocates for legacy gifts, that is, gifts uh, of bequests uh, to various organizations. They're wonderful uh, because uh, the organization doesn't know when they're going to get them, but when they do, uh, they can do more for uh, the needs of, of their particular cause. And it's need to be on a foundation board at our church uh, where we occasionally get these uh, bequests and uh, can make big grants with them. And, Mike, I would just point out that there are very few gifts that are really and truly completely anonymous. That doesn't happen unless there's a third party that's a go-between so that nobody knows where the money is coming from. Generally, uh, when people say anonymous, what they're mean, saying is, I'm not going to allow my name to be published as having made this donation. Right, right. Yeah, thank you. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back <clears throat> with Dave and Judy Osgood, The Joy of Giving. to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here, Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Ready for a unique two-show-in-one package? Check out Life's Journey with Tim Manson, the 7-Minute Motivator. On the one part, we're all about changing minds, one heart at a time. Tim will show you how to overcome struggles in your life and come out winning, as Tim is overcoming his struggle with MS. On the flip side, Tim will show you how the power and spirit of the horse and equine-assisted learning programs can inspire and empower you to take that winning edge to a new level. It really is two shows in one. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. Hey, thanks for uh, 
joining us. And um, we're talking with David and Judy Osgood, Bend, Oregon, and talking about the joy of giving and what giving means to to us and to our faith. Dave, uh, Judy, uh, someone hearing you talk about giving might think you're eh, just a little soft-hearted and you give so much, you're soft-headed maybe and with no concept of what it takes to get by, you know, in this economy. But you created and ran a very successful for-profit business. And so I'm curious how owning and running a business meshed with your philanthropy. Well, I think that kind of falls in two categories. And the first was the way we treated our customers, trying to treat them, as David says, by the golden rule, the way we would want to be treated ourselves. And the second depends on, uh, has to do with how we treated our employees. And we always felt like they were a very critical part of the business and we wanted to do the best for them that we could. And so uh, we gave them benefits when we had to really stretch to be able to do that, but we felt it was important that they recognized that we appreciated them. And then the most important thing that we did for them was to make all, every last one of our employees stockholders with the that being based, of course, on what they did and uh, longevity, what they brought into the company. Some of them uh, took pay cuts to come to work for us because they wanted to work for our company and they could have made or were making much more money someplace else. When we sold the company, they had not all reached the levels of expectation for vesting their stock, but we did that. Anyway, we vested all of our stock for them, or all of their stock, so that they came away with very nice paychecks. And it felt right for us because the company would not have thrived the way it did if it hadn't been for their contributions. They played an important role, and they deserve to be rewarded for it. I was thinking, too, I, I would guess that um, you're learning how to run a business and uh, a, a good, solid business uh, would help you as you uh, looked at places to give your money to. Um, you would you want to know some of the th- same things that, you know, that, it, that it took to run your business the way they would run theirs. You got it. I... I can't imagine how much you've given, you know, over the years. Or uh, I'm wondering how, if you thought about this, how would your lifestyle be different if you had kept that money for yourself, which could be a temptation for for some of us. How how would your life, uh, as opposed to your lifestyle, be different? Do you think? That that's a question that we've given quite a bit of thought to, actually. Uh, so. Answering the question is is not that difficult, but uh, we've never bought into the uh, full uh, measure of the consumer economy. I know that uh, we've had real estate agents say, you know, now that you're making all this money, you ought to have a fancier house than you do, or uh, you ought to drive a car that has less than 200,000 miles on it, and uh so on, and we just don't do it that way. 
And so our lifestyle uh, would have been very different if we had. But more important, I think, is the, uh, the piece with regard to how would our lives be different. Because uh, we have what we think of as very full and rich lives today because of what we do uh, for others. And a whole lot of our life is wrapped up in just that, doing for others. Um, and if, if we hadn't done that, I think we would feel like our lives were very much poorer. And, Mike, for the record, we've never kept track of how much money we've given away, so um, we can't imagine how much we've given away over the years either, but it has been a joy to do so. Yeah. What about, I know you have a, a, a daughter, she's grown and um, guessing realizes how much, you know, money you've given away or knows of your, of your giving. Um, how does she perceive all this? Is, is she supportive? Did she uh, miss out, feel like she missed out because the money went outside of the home? What, how does she feel about all this? Well, let me start by saying that Kelly was our first stockholder. She uh-huh. was a stockholder in the business before we, uh, quite some time before any other, uh, any employee received stock. And she was always involved in the business in the high school. She did some typing for us, things like that. But she and her husband both have MBAs, and they have both been very supportive as far as offering advice, helping us to see through an issue that we might have a little problem grasping. And uh, they have been, and she has been very supportive of what we have done. She knows what we have given away and approves of it. And... Um, she and her husband and her sons are, are very generous in their own right. Mm-hmm. What about other business associates or church peers? Do you ever get feedback uh, from them that maybe they might think you're a little crazy for giving so much away and keeping it as a priority? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever had anybody to my face tell me that they thought I was crazy, maybe a little eccentric, but uh, the, uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, we've encouraged some of those folks to follow our example, and uh, not to the same degree, certainly, in most cases, but uh, to become more active givers. That we have done. And, Mike, uh, we don't make an issue of the fact that we give away half of our money, but we do make an issue of the fact that we volunteer about 50% of our time, uh, both on the fact that I do a lot of behind-the-scenes prep work for our habitat trips, and Dave works with the Nature Conservancy. We, we work different organizations because we believe in being involved wherever we are putting our money. Mm. Seems like that from what you've shared, that it's more about relationships for you than kind of just events. And I wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing, maybe it's a, a habitat relationship or one of the other uh, places that you give. Do you have a, an example you could share with us of 
kind of a, oh, yeah. a, a relationship uh, you've developed? I, I'll give you a couple, and then Judy will give you more, uh, because this is a really, really important uh, aspect that we want to cover. Um, we have developed close relationships with uh, several of our uh, church members uh, who uh, are joining joining us as a as a matter of fact, uh, we'll call one of them and say, uh, how about going for coffee? And he'll say, uh, how much is it going to cost me? Because I'll be going to take him out to get him interested in one of my causes. Or he'll invite me out for lunch, and I will give him exactly the same response, because I know it's going to cost me, but that's okay. Uh, and we encourage each other that way. But we also have uh, uh, good relationships with several uh, development staff uh, officers of Habitat, of uh, the Nature Conservancy, uh, and of uh, the Oregon Health and Sciences University, which I haven't even mentioned as another recipient that uh, we've given money to, as we have to Portland State. University, my alma mater. Mm-hmm. But uh, in addition to those, uh, we uh, have, of course, relationships with people in Guatemala as well. And Judy's going to talk about that, I think. Yeah, Mike, the, uh, San Lucas Toliman, the little village where we work, has really come to feel like a second home to us. And it's very special to go there to visit, to talk with the homeowners that we've built their home, to see the pride in, in what they have and the differences that it's made in their lives and in their children's lives. We enjoy our relationships with the townspeople, with the people that run the hotel, the little stores next door, the stores up the street, uh, everyone that we encounter and with the students that we are supporting. It's been wonderful to watch those kids grow and mature and develop goals for themselves. Um, yeah, that has to be rewarding. Do you give primarily to charities or to justice work? Do you? How do you consider something like Habitat? Is it charity, justice? Do you give to both? Mike, we have a saying in Habitat that we give people a hand up, not a handout, and I think that epitomizes all of the organizations that we work with. They could all be uh, classified as justice work. Some of them certainly have a, a smaller component of the organization that's involved in pure charity work for something that Absolutely, that people couldn't participate in themselves that they need. But basically, we feel that we are doing faith and justice work. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, too, uh, it's an amazing story that you have together. Uh, it's very encouraging. Uh, and I'm, But I'm sure there, there has to be a time when you maybe disagreed on what to give or how much to give. And I want to know how you maybe work through those disagreements, and I want to do that when we, we need to take a break now. But So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with Dave and Judy Osgood on Faith and Money, Making the Connection. Friends. 
friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. It's time to empower our kids so they can make the best decisions now and later in life. Listen for I Am For Kids Radio with host Mark Papadis. Mark is the founder of the I Am For Kids Foundation, which is a recognized 501c3 charity committed to revolutionizing elementary education in the U.S. Our show helps kids, teachers, and parents to realize the power of identity and help each of us decide who we are and our place in the world. I Am For Kids Radio is heard live Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further, with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life, supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals, while helping you realize the connection between mind, body, and spirit. You'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance, stress management, and personal development. The Wellness Lounge, a step further, airs Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. Thank you for joining us. We left when we left the break, I was asking Dave and Judy uh, if they had any disagreements or if disagreements ever came up uh, about uh, how and where to give. Yeah, well, we do from time to time talk through a new uh, possible uh, gift uh, and maybe postpone it for a while, but frequently it's more a matter of, well, how much do you think we ought to give them? And we'll each come up with a number and it might be 300 on one side and 500 on the other, and we'll just split the difference. So that's easy. That's an easy one. So communication, that's the key. Hey, um, I wanted to ask uh, for your guidance on some how-tos and um, from your experience. Uh, for example, if, if I never uh, have given away much uh, or if any money, where, where would I start and how can I take that first step? Where do I find the money to give away even? Well, Mike, I would say that the first thing you need to do is take a look at your heart. See what it is that touches you that you're really interested in and then find an organization that meets the needs you think are important. As far as finding the money is concerned, you got to take a close look at your own finances, where you're spending it, uh, where it goes, where you can save money. There's a great category that all of us fall into with a lot of our expenses that says miscellaneous. But when you break those down, you can often find that, okay, if I go out to dinner once a week instead of two times a week, I can save money and that will give me something to give away. Or if I don't bother to uh, renew the subscription on this magazine because I'm not reading it anyway. (laughs) Or... um, 
maybe I don't need a latte every single day. Maybe once a week would be enough of a treat. Look at things like that. Look at your budget on an annual basis and even out the expenses. So move things around. Maybe insurances can be paid a different month so that they don't all become due the same month. But take an uh, Take time to analyze what you've done in the past to know what you can do in the future. Mm-hmm. And for, and, for... Uh, we haven't said anything about teaching your children to give, and we both feel like that's so important. Um, whether you have a little piggy bank with several divisions in it, and one of them is giving so that the children learn from the time that they are little that the importance of giving, what it does for you as an individual. And when our grandsons were teenagers, we borrowed an idea from friends and adapted it to our own situation, began giving the boys a check every year on Thanksgiving, telling them that we wanted them to give it away. And their Mm -hmm. Christmas present to us was to tell us who they gave it to, and why they gave it to them with no restrictions. Anything you want to add to that, Dave? That kind of sums it up. That's that's creative. I'm I'm guessing they they really enjoyed that. Oh, they did. They have had a wonderful time with it. We've continued it for years now. And the oldest uh, said to us a couple years ago, Thank you for this gift because mm. it allows me to be far more generous at this stage of my life as a student than I could be otherwise. And that felt awfully good to us. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and uh, one more thing. Yeah, uh, sure. It's important to have both a, a pot of money for spontaneous giving as well as to being intentional. But if you're intentional on an annual basis about what you're going to give away, you're much more likely to get it done. And then if you have a spontaneous category, you can use that for a need that comes up, something that touches your heart that you want to respond to that you couldn't otherwise. I want to ask you one uh, question about um, the giving. For many of us, we want to make sure our giving is effective, uh, even the planned giving or the spontaneous giving. And and uh, how do I make sure of that? How did you make sure of that? Or how did you, when you first gave to some place, uh, how did you know it was a reputable organization? Do you have any yeah. words of wisdom? The, the best answer I can give to that is that there are several independent evaluators of charitable organizations. Uh, one's called Charity Navigator, another called Charity Watch, and a third one is the charity arm of the Better Business Bureau. And each one of those can tell you um, what percentage of the income of the organization actually goes to the cause for which it uh, was intended. And we look for ones that have that number be 85% or, or better uh, going through to the uh, intended recipient as opposed to going into administration or fundraising. Gotcha, gotcha. Some Do of them need... are only 10%. Hmm. That's a good indicator. Yeah, thank you for that. Dave and Judy, your generosity is so inspiring. You have made uh, quite a difference in the world, and 
Uh, this path has clearly blessed your own life as well. And it's, it's just beautiful how the giver becomes the receiver and the receiver becomes the giver in the circle of God's community. And I find it particularly encouraging to hear how you grew into this over time, continuing to learn as you go along. I just want to thank you both for being with us. Well, thank you. It's been a fun uh, experience. Thanks for the opportunity, Mike. All right. Thank you. Folks, we end each program with action steps that each of us can take, suggestions for strengthening our connections between our faith and our money and moving us from general desires to specific actions. In a program called The Joy of Giving, you can guess what our action steps are going to be, can't you? Dave and Judy had some wonderful suggestions for how we can enliven the joy and purpose in our giving. Here are a few others. I want you to select one of these, try them this week, starting from wherever you are and taking that next step to grow as one who gives. If, if giving is new ground for you, it might be helpful to review the relevant sections of Faith and Money Network's Money Autobiography that we mentioned. Um, we, it's at our website, faithandmoneynetwork.org. Questions in the Money Autobiography will guide you to reflect on how you developed your thoughts on giving, whether you think it's important or not, and where your points of resistance are. So that's the first uh, action step. Here's another idea. Many of us imagine winning the lottery and think, oh, if I won a million dollars, I'd buy this or I'd do that. This action step is along those lines, but probably on a smaller scale. First, how much would be a lot of money for you to give away? $100? Or would $100 be what you spend on dinner and not a challenging gift at all? How about $1,000 then, or even more? If you had that amount of money to give away, where would you give it? Now make a plan to make it possible. Use that dream to motivate your savings and then give it where you want to make a difference in the world. Our third suggestion encourages us to broaden our giving habits. If you tend to give to charities, try making a donation to an organization that works for justice. Do you usually give using your name? If so, make your next gift anonymously. Do you miss getting the credit or is the mystery of it fun? Most of us want control over where we give our money. Could you let a friend or your children have control over your next donation by letting them choose where it goes? Of course, there's no one right way to give, no right amount. Feel free to be creative, to have fun deciding where and how to give away some of your time and money. Giving offers you a sense of abundance in all that God has provided you to share. You can deepen your solidarity and God's community by partnering as a donor in other people's work. With time, practice, and prayer, we can all strengthen this critical connection between our faith and our money. Thank you for sharing this time with us today. You are now part of the Faith and Money Network, joining together to live into God's economy of enough for all, of solidarity and of action grounded in love. Blessings on the journey. Thank you for joining us this week on Faith and Money, Making the Connection. Please tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, for another edition with your host, Mike Little, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Take a step this week to let your faith shape your money choices. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.